0: What's
1: wrong with you people? Good morning. Welcome to Not Another Baptist Podcast. Kyle, it was so good to see you in the flesh this week in McAllen, Texas, where our flesh was burning off. <laughs> it, was so it was so hot, but so good it was to be a there. warm. How are you doing? Man,
0: I'm good. I, uh, um... I'm, I'm dragging like, a, like I typically do after an event. I didn't have to drive nine hours like you did, but uh, just had a had a long week. It was good. Met lots of folks. Had lots of great conversations about uh, what we do at Nam and, and about the replant team. Uh, but it was really good to be back in my own bed last night uh, yeah. because I know I'm getting older because every time it's like you know getting in the hotel. It's like this is not my bed. This is not my pillow. This is not. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: yeah we so we drove so i took two of my girls with me uh two were at camp and are at camp today and as this goes live will begin their journey back from louisiana tech university and i can't remember what camp they're doing student life one of those anyway uh so i took the two that were left uh with me and we drove down and made a last second decision just because of timing Uh, to go on to corpus christi instead of McAllen, and we ate on the water Uh, there was like a restaurant that had like a little pier that just was floating so it was a bit kind of weird feeling because you're eating as you're kind of moving up and down a little bit and we had a good like two hours to spare and so we also took a little boat tour and went along the little bay there, got to see the USS uh, Lexington, I believe it is, mm-hmm. uh, from Aircraft afar, Aircraft. and uh, waved at the people on that, and had hoped to see some dolphins. We were told that dolphins were around. Uh, we did not see them. The boat before us did, uh, but we didn't. And, but we had a good time, and as I was coming into Corpus Christi, your boy got him a little speeding ticket. Uh, so that was, that was fun. The lady goes, you know, do you know why I pulled you over? I said, because you were hiding on the other side of a hill as I came from 75 to 65 miles per hour speed limit change. Uh, it, she kind of tilted her head. That wasn't the answer she was looking for. And so I got my <laughs> ticket. I would like to point out, I never got a ticket in the Mustang GT, uh, the Mach one or the Corvette, but the Silverado baby, I got me a ticket going like 82 and in a 65. That was great. And, uh, anyway, we did have a wonderful time in uh, McAllen for that. It was good to hang out with you. Good to visit with uh, Leighton Flowers and many others, a lot of pastors there. CBA had, I think, three pastors that were there. There's 660 or so messengers, uh, but it was a good time. And uh, so so anyway, we're back. And today we are talking about worship, a replant reality Uh, stop me if you've heard this before. Don't ask us to change the music style. Don't ask us to change the music style. You arrive to a church and they've got the 1963 Baptist hymnal as inspired by Jesus himself. And they ain't changing, let alone putting the words on the wall, right? You know, that's a heaven forbid we would do something like that. So let's talk a little bit about music style. Music preferences and so forth. And the first question, this is based on an article written by your boss, one of your bosses. I don't know who your boss is. John Mark, Bob Bickford, uh, Kevin Azell, Bart Barber, I don't know. But this one was by Bob Bickford, and he asked a great question. When did worship become about us? Yeah. Kyle, when um
0: well, I mean, so I mean if you want to go back to um, the Bible I mean I think I think folks have always tried to make it about themselves but but across uh not just church history but even back in biblical history if when folks tried to make worship about themselves, it usually didn't pan out very well yeah. for them um uh you know, you think about um well gosh, I mean you go back and and look at the sons of Eli, right, who were supposed to lead the people. Uh, Levi is the priest who was supposed to lead the people in um, in worship, and they didn't, right? And so, I mean, that, that they they met a poor end. Um, and then, even in the New Testament, I mean, you have Ananias and Sapphira in in chapter in Acts chapter five, who uh, brought their offerings, but but tried to make it about them, and um, that that didn't end well for them, right? <laughs> Bad things happen, so. Uh, th- there's always been this bent right towards making worship about us and and the bible shows time after time after time that that that's not the way that worship is designed um now the the thing that we can the, the trap that we can get into is um you know i want i want worship that makes me feel comfortable i want worship that makes me feel good i want worship that um that Reminds me of the church that I grew up in right that's, that's, that's familiar to me um and that's really where we can make it about us and, and this is what I like and and this kind of this kind of leads into our next point of when did we lock in on a particular style so when we say worship when, when did that become a particular style of music right so now we have an entire genre of what is it called worship music yeah that <laughs> um and and that's really a really good question. when that happened probably sometime in the eighties and nineties when we when we had the worship wars um and even though uh if, if you were a worship leader in the eighties and nineties, even the early two thousands, I think you might kind of look at the landscape today and say, um things have certainly calmed down from where they were, like we don't hear a lot of stories about um you know a guy getting fired because he played the guitar. <laughs> on Sunday morning anymore. That was a reality uh, 30 years ago. We, we don't see that so much anymore. But that this is this can still be a fight, particularly if you try to push a particular style, right? So if you were in a if you step into a church where for the last hundred years they've primarily sang hymns with a piano, and you come in and say, Hey, we're gonna switch and we're gonna start singing hill song next week. It, it's it's probably not going to work out for you very well, right? That, that's such a dramatic shift, and and, and I would argue this. Um, when when we talk about don't ask us to change the music style, we're, we're not saying you need to move to a contemporary service away from a traditional hymn service. I think what when, when we say don't ask us to change the music, the one thing that you that you want to make sure that is happening in your worship service is that your music is done well, that it invites people to sing and that there is a worshipful attitude and, and, and that you're not, you don't want every single worship service to feel like a funeral. And, um, if you're singing blessed assurance, um, it it should seem like that you're happy about that. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> not that, not, not that, you know, oh, bless her. Yeah. <laughs> no,
1: let me say this is this is kind of implied. I wish Bob made this point a little more. Uh, and I love Bob. I'm not disagreeing with him at all. Uh, I just it, it's, it's implied here because a long history kind of going back to the last point. You know, people began to describe a, a Sunday, you know, worship gathering as the music being sung, you know, the either hymns. Is it traditional, contemporary, whatever calling, you know, our, our guy, you know, the worship pastor or the worship leader. And in, in reality, that's where the shift kind of derails at its core because the worship isn't uh, only the music. It's the scripture reading. It's the prayers we pray. It's the sermon that is preached. And, you know, in reality, the worship leaders should be the pastor, uh, in in that sense, in, or that entire team. Uh, so you have a music leader, song leader, you know, that kind of thing. And and that's where, you know, we start going into some of this, you know, the particular style and whatnot. I, I remember, you know, I was I was on the tail end, I guess, of the worship wars that, you know, Bob mentions or or links to an article where it says those are largely over. He just said nobody's really getting in trouble for having a guitar on the on the stage, or the drums on the stage that are you know going to conjure up demons, whatever it might be, but I remember having to take that long and patient approach of getting guitars and drums introduced to a worship service, uh you know the song portion of our worship gatherings, where I would put the drums on the stage for a while, and then the drum play them they would just sit there, they yeah. would just sit there, it's like just just see it, it's there. No, no ghosts are going to come out of it, whatever it might be. Then maybe <laughs> it would be used for the special music. And then maybe we would use it for one of the contemporary songs. And then eventually it it became, you know, you know, accepted. And so it was like kind of that, that frog in the boiling water type thing, instead of just throwing it on there and going all in, you know, you just had to take your time. And I was also in a church that in our bylaws, in our bylaws, I had to have a fifty fifty split between traditional hymns and contemporary songs so, so that's funny. you say that
0: um I knew a church that had in their in their bylaws from when they were established they, they were a church split um as well a- they were established in the early 2000s, so right at the tail end of what we would know as the worship wars, but in their bylaws um they, they had in there they would not sing anything that was not in the uh, i believe it was the nineteen ninety two Baptist Terminal. Yeah, I said um, sixty-three.
1: That, I was stuck on the yeah, Texas Baptist. Yeah, it, a, yeah you <laughs> so, got it right. So there is
0: uh well, well, I mean there were several editions back there. It was like a, a a ninety-two. There was a seventy-two, and then I think fifty-five was before yeah. that. If I remember right, Any, the
1: authorized but, version.
0: Yes, that's right. I mean that that was the one that was, uh, and, and in the church that I grew up in, Matt, they had they had done it so well. They had matching uh, carpet. Cues and hymnals. Everything matched. It was all red. <laughs> I love it. But yeah, so this, but this one church, um, they had in their bylaws, they would not sing anything that was not in the nineteen ninety two hymnal. Um, so the pastor who, who was a, a pretty traditional guy, but saw the value in some songs that had been written in the last thirty years, um, was really handcuffed in that. Now they they eventually were able to change that, but it took a long time. Um, and, and again, so we're not talking just about style here, but we are talking about: um, is, is your worship done well? Um, are you are you singing kind of old classic songs of the faith that the believers have sung for several hundred years, and newer songs because There's a lot of fluff that's out there right now, but there are there are good songs still being written. Um, uh, You know, just just think through. uh, The Gettys have some really good stuff. Uh, Matt Boswell, who's who's very close to uh, your area there in in Dallas, has written some fantastic new hymns for the church. So so don't don't just lock yourself in. We we have to sing something in the hymnal. That's that's the canon. No, there's good stuff that's being written. Don't don't lock yourself necessarily into a certain style of of music yeah
1: yeah and so so yeah move moving on to the bigger question is what is god calling us to do what yeah. one, one of those you know the pro tip my my suggestion would be work on your wording teach your people that worship is is what we're really doing from you know the prelude all the way to the postlude and in sending us out on mission and bob does make that that point and and ask, what if every church, regardless of whether they're singing newer songs, older songs, you know, he he says style of worship, you know, style of music, whatever it is, the liturgy they choose, all of that. What if they determine to evaluate their worship in light of God's glory and then plan all of the elements that make that up? You know, your preaching, your prayer, your scripture reading, what's your responsive reading? You know, we don't do those as much anymore, all of that kind of stuff that illuminated, inspired, and mobilized God's people to be on mission? What if we, so that's what God is calling us to do. We're we're coming there to be refueled, to be refreshed, to be encouraged, to be edified, to be equipped, to be all of those things, to be sent on mission. And so ask yourself, the music that I'm singing, the scriptures that I'm reading, the prayers that I'm praying, does it have that in mind? Kyle, what would you add to that?
0: Yeah, um, in this article, uh, he includes a, a quote from Joe Kreider, who's a uh, professor of music at Southwestern Seminary. And, and he says this, if your church's concept and definition of worship is woven together by a thread that looks and sounds like music, your church is missing out on what biblical worship is. Yeah. And so the the whole idea of worship, and you, and, and you touched on this with what Bob said at the end, the, the idea of worship goes far beyond music. Um, and so when, when you're evaluating that, um, don't, don't just ask. Wait, so if you're talking about music, ask, what do we need to address with our music, right? Not not what do we need to address with our worship. Um, when you're talking worship, there's, there's so much about that. There's personal worship. There's your corporate worship gathering that is from start to finish. So don't limit that to an idea of, of music. But if you're talking about music, uh, let, let me give you, as a, as a former worship pastor and pastor just a couple of of things um you don't have to be the hippest church in town you really don't um you know that one of the great things about our convention of churches is uh we come in all flavors um there are uber traditional churches there are uber modern churches and everywhere in between cowboy churches um i mean you you name it we've got it right you don't have to um You don't have to push the envelope when it comes to to brand new worship, right? So you don't necessarily need a rock band on stage. That's not going to be a silver bullet that helps your church to grow. What what you do need to do is find, uh, if we're talking about music, a music style that matches uh, the the culture of your church, that works for the culture of your church that you're creating, and that helps connect with your community. Um, And that helps point people to Jesus. That's the ultimate thing, right? And that can be done with a rock band. That can be done with a bluegrass band. That can be done with a piano and organ. But but make sure that you're singing songs that that tell biblical truth, proclaim biblical truth, and point your people to Jesus. Uh, and whether that's the old rugged cross, or whether that's you know Chris Tomlin or Matt Boswell, um, find music that that proclaims truth and points people to Jesus.
1: Yeah. And and to add to that a little bit, whether your church is full, when we're talking about style, whether your church is full on traditional, contemporary, do it well, do it with excellence. Know that you're doing it not to please the people out in the pew, but ultimately to honor and glorify Him, to glorify God. Uh, But if, if you are somewhere in that balance of contemporary, leaning that direction, remember that you can also do traditional songs in a very contemporary way. Indelible Grace, Sovereign Grace, uh, Matt Boswell, many of those guys are doing some incredible old songs. refreshed. I did that for a while and I don't recommend my stuff at all (laughs) because it was all six, eight, done with a cut capo. Anybody can do it. But it all sounds the same.
0: But, uh, what, uh, was, but what was what was what were your CDs called? My
1: songbook or something like my that. My hymnbook,
0: baby. My hymnal. I, my hymnbook.
1: Yeah, the goal was to do all 150 psalms, and I made it to 10, and I gave up because That's all 10 that. of them sounded exactly the same. And I sold a sum total of about 10 albums. But if, those are still available on Amazon. I think. They are still available. So they, yeah, my yeah, I, again. Don't recommend. Don't don't look them up. It, it's horrible. But but anyway, find if you're a contemporary church man, the the theological depth. It's in some of those songs that have stood the test of time by the people that wrote them, and the depth and and just the uh, just the richness of those words and the lyrics and all that kind of stuff. Because it matters what we sing too. And so, take some time to maybe find some of those old songs refreshed and done in a way that's going to fit in your context. All of that sort of thing. If you're you know traditional, you know keep doing it, doing it well, all that kind of stuff. Uh, But but remember, there's a lot of resources that are out there for you. And uh, as we wind down, Kyle, if I'm reading this correctly, this is going to be episode number 300. Wow, 300 times. Technically, it'll be 300.5 because if, if you remember, we had like, I think our second or our third episode. Yeah, that's right. We had a point 0.5. Was like, it was like midweek because there was that shooting at Sutherland Springs uh, 300 episodes ago. That was wild. A lot has changed since then. Yeah. We're now in a new state doing new roles, all of that. Yeah. Kind of uh, it's been a good run, uh, y'all. See you. It, <laughs> Thanks yeah, for well, listening. See you later. <laughs> April Fool's, uh, anyway, man. <laughs> Appreciate you, and until next time, may your coffee be as black as night and as bold as the gospel we declare. And, yes, the Yankees are in last place,
0: and the Rangers
1: are in first place. Bless it. One of those brings me great joy. (laughs) This podcast was sponsored by Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, And they provide theological education that includes both academic challenge and hands-on ministry experience wherever god calls southwestern seminary will help you get there and the best way to experience southwestern is to attend preview day on october 20th see firsthand all that southwestern seminary has to offer during your visit, you'll tour the campus, meet faculty members, chat with current students, and experience the unique campus community of Southwestern Seminary. Register today at swibbetsedu forward slash preview. What's wrong with you people?